First of all, I mean the fact that fucking at the end, for, like he's starting a, a new school of enlightenment, and that and that and that he he says obviously you have a lot that you can give to people. Man, that's like synchronicity shit right there. Like that could have been the whole reason we had that conversation. Like so, like you like he might literally like give you a job out of this, fly you out to Arizona. Well, yeah, I mean, which would possibly. be wild. Honestly, I would just I if, as long as I have. Clothes on my body, food to eat, water to drink, and a roof over my head. I don't even need the roof, honestly. I, I don't care. Arizona, about it's warm, very steady weather. Whatever. Like I, I would, I would jump at an opportunity. That's this is my this is my soul's passion, not just my heart. This is my whole being. This is whole my my whole reason for incarnating here. And I've gone through some of the ringer with all kinds of physical things, my own personal problems, mental issues, emotional issues, but the thing that's remained solid, more solid than steel, unbreakable, adamantian, uh, is, is my spirit, my soul. And I remember I told you, I was like, he, he'll recognize me, like maybe at least a, a little bit, like, uh, and I mean, that's I love, how I love when you said, uh, when he's, I, I feel like I've been looking for you for a long time. He, he just, he has that beautiful laugh. Like he always like has that like goofy, like just sort of wizard laugh. And he's, he's just like, yeah, you probably have. <laughs> I love that. He's like, you probably have been looking for me for a long time. He's just so confident. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, sh and he should be. I mean, yeah, he's, definitely. he's definitely, definitely earned that right in this, uh, earned and earnest. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Um, in this incarnation, so to me, what that was one of the crazy things is how do I approach somebody that I know has literally what over 50, what well, almost 57, 56 years on me, mm -hmm. been, been studying this for a long yeah. time, and he never really one thing I I can't wait to ask him about is getting back to how he got into this in the first place. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from for him? Yeah. You know? Um, but you know, the, this person is obviously incredibly capable and there are a few things I wanted to ask him, but I just didn't then Yeah. because I, I don't want it to be, I just want it to be like, a, a more a natural thing yeah. not you know being recorded and whatnot i yeah i was um um and even having the memories he says that his memories go back for so long but there had to have been a point where he started having the memories and then he, he there had to have been a point where he was skeptical of it or didn't know what it was and then he realized or decided or speculated what it might be or was yeah and um yeah, so I, I had that same question too, but it's like you ask him when it started, he's he always like I remember that was one of the main questions when I was writing my story about him a year ago. Is anytime you ask him about how he knows about this stuff, like always. It you know, but like I feel like I feel like if if I worded it in a right way, I could get to the bottom of it. But like I, I obviously haven't worded it in a way cuz he's he always starts talking about his past lives. Yeah. How many, how many times have you asked him? Well, probably well, I mean just once when I was last year when I was writing that and then this time um, when you asked him. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, he might be going by the rule of threes. I mean, that's a fair rule. Oh, interesting. Everybody that is this kind of metaphysical individual 
has their own sort of um, you know codices. They're they're not necessarily law because none of it's unbreakable. Some of it's unbreakable, but um, their way of presenting themselves to the universe and a man with this amount of, I, there is no longer any shadow of a doubt in my mind that first of all, at the very least, what he is talking about, he knows to be true and not even believes knows to be true. And whether that's true for the rest of us or not is really unconsequential because what has that made him? It's made him, I don't know, somebody just working toward elevating people in spirit because that's the thing that's been stomped down the most in the past couple centuries. Um, you know, think people think about Sir Isaac Newton as some sort of a... Uh, uh, just crazy mathematician physicist that saw an apple fall dude was an alchemist he, he was on the he, bible code he he went after the philosopher's stone i, yeah. I read about he like dedicated a, a a chunk of existence to finding this stone it's yeah like, like mo most of his work was he's a deeply spiritual person yeah geared towards because that's where like so the word alchemy and even chemistry all right the chem all right K-H-E-M in old language means the black land, which refers back to Egypt at the time, at the end of the Younger Dryas, probably whenever there was a bunch of rain and water erosion, and it was a very fertile land at Giza at, you know, 10,600 BC or something like that. Um, and so or it was either 10,600 years ago, but it doesn't matter, a long time ago. So Chem comes from the ancient Egyptian meaning the black land. So then you get Arabic put into it, which like is Al-Chem, which means of the hmm. black land. And then Alchemy, alchemy, or chemistry, chemistry means the, the science of the black land it mm. means the the studies of the black land oh so by roots alchemy and chemistry have literally identical meaning yes interesting yeah they broke off the owl yeah they yeah they broke off the owl because as science and spirit science which is a science in itself in my mind diverged they you know wanted to differentiate themselves from the alchemists and so just the, the chemists only studied on the physical interactions of various elements, minerals, materials, how to condensate, how to propagate, how to do all the things that we now think of as modern chemistry. But the difference was the alchemists tied that into everything they did was a representation of themselves and their own spirit into the physical world. Mm. And so alchemy, whenever they talk about the philosopher's stone and the great work, yes, they probably did. And there's plenty of evidence for it. Like turn base metals into gold. And that's going to go into a whole other thing and how that's possible. But suffice it to say, you know, even if they didn't, they, we're working not just with the elements themselves, not just with the physical apparatus they were using, 
it was an external representation of their spirit, mm-hmm. their internal spirit. And they would, you know, calcify it and condense it. Like all of the, I could go through all the al- alchemical steps, but you can just look it up if you don't know it. Um, they would go through all these steps and they would envision their soul as going through this process. And so attaining the Philosopher's Stone and doing the great work wasn't just about turning base metals into gold. It was about turning your soul into a gold soul Mm -hmm. where you could transcend reality. And that's why, like I mentioned, St. Germain last time was because of this exact thing. Well, yeah, the the biggest thing that blew my mind about the Philosopher's Stone is, well, not only that... Sir Isaac Newton what definitely thought it was real went after it but um, the father of chemistry who I can't think of his name right now but the actual like act chemistry um, what was like a big proponent um, you might not I can't remember his name but anyway oh. he was like whoever whoever was like considered the father of chemistry but anyway um, but not only that Nicholas Flamel who was like a very real person who's kind of been mythologized now but he was a real person and and the um, the biggest thing was like the um, one of his texts that claimed that he had the stone or, or held the stone for the longest coincided with actual banknotes that they found, which essentially made him a millionaire overnight. So it doesn't matter. I mean, whether or not the stone's real, I don't know, but there's like legit historical record of like him becoming a millionaire overnight, which coincides with one of his texts, which, which yeah. says that he has the stone. So it's like, it's not like nobody knows obviously, but like for me, that was something that blew my mind was there, there's actually a lot of uh, hit like verifiable historical records, which, would suggest the existence of something like that. Well, that's that's uh, what I'm saying. So it's yeah, Antoine Laurent, yeah, de Lavoisier, the father of chemistry, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they and that's that's just one thing. I, I you really got to check out Saint Germain. He's he's crazy. Okay. He he's, he's, hangs around Europe for over two hundred years, and he's Saint Germain is Saint Germain, right? He's French. Uh, it's he's not like a saint. He's not like you know, oh Saint Peter. You yeah, know, yeah. it's just that's just his name. Okay, it's not it's not a theological impetus for for him to do these things, um, and anybody could do it. But he did some crazy stuff, and you can read about it in people's journals and and diaries, royal peoples, and um, like the example I used last time with like the. The, uh, the elixir that kept a woman young for a really long time. Oh, yeah. and um, I mean, he um, apparently took his ascension. A lot of people think he is the one that started the Freemasons. And one of the things with Freemasons, the G in the center of the, the square and compass is for Germain. Um, but it, all, all of that aside, the fact of the matter remains that quote-unquote miracles have been recorded and documented and then, you know, continued for time immemorial. And there's something to this. And a lot of the people that do these things, pretty much all of them, have the same sort of narrative. You know, you guys can do it too. You just you either have to have faith or you have to have understanding or you have to have wisdom or you have to have this or that. All of it relates back to the same thing where it's, it's right now, think about yourself. 
and think about the fact you're listening to me. Now, what's listening to you listen to listen to me? What is that? That awareness, that consciousness, that singularity, which is indescribable and untouchable and inviolable, that aspect of every being can be utilized to shape our reality. Mm -hmm. And that goes back into the, the quantum aspects of it. So with Ernie, I, I have no doubt, I mean, especially spent the, the night in the Great Pyramid, no doubt he's experienced a lot of these things. And I'm sure, you know, if something comes out that he says that wasn't accurate, just based on even that brief kind of introduction with him, that he would be the first person to tell you, no, I, w I was wrong. Yeah. This isn't how it's going. And he That's would shift. Yeah, um, I liked how he, he told a couple stories that I had heard before, and I heard like a couple new stories, so that was good. The guy has infinite stories, so sick. Um, the airplane story was wild. At the end, when he said he was there when Jesus got crucified, he was being crucified with him, that's fucking wild. One thing that I wanted to ask you, because you guys were getting into this, and I feel like there was like a bit of the lore missing that I didn't understand, so maybe you could explain it to me, um, of like your understanding of history where it's like so atlantis was in egypt and it got there from the big flood or am i missing something no. that, that's something i got from this conversation okay. and, I, and i was like i was like wait, wait wait so egypt was underwater was that from the big flood and 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 how does atlantis because ramtha was a warrior of atlantis but then when he's talking about how he knew thoth and like atlantis happened after according to esoteric lore and tradition the sinking of Mu, which is where the Lemurians were from. Wait, wait, back up though. Like Mu, like Mu. You gotta assume I don't know any of it. Yeah. Uh, Mu was a big island continent, okay. and it sank too. And we we can see this. I mean, if there are tons of maps now that we can find where islands are clearly and accurately drawn on the map that don't exist anymore around Easter Island, around I mean, all over the place. Um, Oh, those, uh, the Azores, like off the coast of Portugal, that used to be a whole landmass. Uh, the rising and falling of the seas and the geological processes of the earth, it recycles everything. Mm -hmm. And we can see that in, you know, humanity's lifetime with maps. And, um, oh, what's that? It's something Reese map shows Antarctica, mm. you know? Without ice, and it's from like the 1500s, and it wasn't right. even discovered until way later. And the That's dude wild. like found maps that showed it from a way earlier time period mm. and used it. But uh, mm. it's you know all of these things. So Atlantis was once again kind of a seafaring island established civilization, probably a huge island, and they had. People from all over the place. Did they there. say where it was? Well, there, there. That's the thing is like that nobody really knows. Well, I know, I know. Like, like that's my understanding of Atlantis is that nobody knows where it was. But like, I was, yeah. I think of Atlantis more of. It's like saying, um, I don't know. Imagine it's like saying the United Nations. Mm. Where did the United Nations live? 
Well, they have a headquarters somewhere, but where do they live? I mean, the United Nations is the United Nations. They're all over the place. Mm. Atlantis, to me, was more of a big thing. I think they're... It's an organization. Yeah, and their capital was definitely decimated um, by a catastrophic flood. It could have been in the Caribbean. It could have been off the, off the coast of Portugal. It could have been even all the way into the Pacific Ocean um, out around Easter Island stuff. There's tons of submerged islands so there. So is the idea that like um, like the Great Flood wiped out Atlantis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at the very least, that was the killing blow because you got to imagine when we were in the older driest or the oldest driest and the older driest, we had enormous ice sheets. Mm-hmm over over you know the poles of the earth and that pulled in so much water leaving so much more exposed land and at the younger dryas it seems pretty evident with the work of graham hancock and randall carlson and a bunch of other people um that some sort of common impact um instead of putting the earth into a nuclear winter because of where it hit it actually melted it all Mm -hmm. and we i mean we have evidence of this in eastern washington at at Mm -hmm. dry falls um the scablands you can see where they had to be it floods at least over a thousand foot deep just Mm -hmm. sweeping over the land and anything caught in in that kind of torrential flood and they have these these legends in in the andes uh in bolivia you know um in the Middle East, all these things, where this massive flood just brutal, wiped out everything. Mm. And there's always some survivors, and these survivors come back and then teach people how to. I guess I had to talk about the, all the similarities in like the native flood myths and stuff that that they're talking about literally the same flood that the Christians are talking about. I hadn't really like assumed that. Like I, I just assumed that there was like it's like a lot of stuff in um, geography, like every however many centuries it returned so i figured that like every culture has experienced a flood and like that's what they talk about but it's really interesting to think that it's like no there's probably one big ass one that they're all talking about yeah which is interesting i hadn't really considered that you know you you find seashells at the top of the himalayas man Hmm. that's fucking wild it is (laughs) it is i mean and the, the thing is is they they try to say well it's just from when it was at the bottom of the sea and there was this earth shift that over a small amount of time the more you start to look at these geographical features well, the, the less likely deteriorate over thousands of years yeah and and less likely that becomes because right. they're all over the place you find seashells at the top of mountains all over the place mm-hmm. and whether it's some sort of cataclysmic geological transformation whether it's from a great flood it doesn't matter but atlantis itself was a place of what we would perceive to be magic, which, as I've said before, magic is just technology not yet understood. And they... It was like a communal organization where they would openly practice? Yeah, and, well, they had... A lot of these gods had really peculiar features, right? The gods that show up in Egypt, in the Easter Islands, in... uh, you know, probably even Gobekli Tepe, even though we don't have a lot of um, anecdotal evidence of that. All of these gods from everywhere, they're always real tall, 
even if the indigenous people don't grow facial hair and they're not white skinned or blue eyed, the, the gods are. Mm-hmm. And they come in, they teach them how to do all this crazy stuff, and they build these massive megalithic monuments perfectly corresponding to the sky at the time of about 10,500 years ago, like the Sphinx perfectly pointing at Leo when it rose 10,500 years ago, Angkor Wat perfectly, all the temples around there perfectly matching Draco as it rose in the sky 10,500 years ago, Um, the belt of Orion in the Great Pyramid and the subsequent pyramids and 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 many more i i I could go on and on but Mm. it's it's crazy because this is this thing that happens ten thousand five hundred years ago tons of the megafauna and mega mammals die off just completely gone and it's so outrageous to me to think that humans hunted them to extinction because what kind of human is like you know what i want for dinner tonight let's get some uh, mammoth and saber-toothed tiger and just go out and hunt these animals to extinction? Why would they ever possibly go after the most dangerous and difficult prey yeah. to to kill and mm. capture? I'm sure they did do it sometimes, but it took a, a massive That's effort. Wild. So the whole idea is like we've just gotten so lost. Like we used to have, like we used to openly have this like spiritual, like mystical knowledge that we applied in all these different ways and we're just so off course right now. Yeah, I mean, to use the Bible's terminology, that's the fall of man. Yeah. Is we had a lot of these things, and instead of developing back into a more spiritual trajectory, we've developed into a more mechanical trajectory. Ernie says we're on the rise, though, of spirituality. Oh, yeah, we are. We're coming out of of our slumber with the procession. How long is it going to take, though? Like, what will we see in our lifetimes, do you think? You know... One thing I found really interesting is this commonality of 1% having a huge effect on reality itself. So if you take, let's say, like helium, mm-hmm. and you super, super, super cold freeze it almost down to absolute zero, it'll become a super, uh, super fluid. Mm. But before that, it's bubbling, it's roiling, it's crazy. As soon as 1% reaches coherence, just like that, all the other ones snap into place. Mm. And it becomes a complete and perfect total superfluid. And, I mean, with human consciousness, it's kind of the same way. Um, With morphogenetics and everything, we are gearing towards this place where if, you know... So let's say there's 8 billion people on the planet. Then we only need 80 million. Mm-hmm. 80 million people to kind of really wake up mm. to this idea, attune to it. And by our thoughts and processes, mm. it will snap everything into alignment. Mm. Yeah, that's, I have this whole theory called densities of consciousness where one person might not have the same impact on this field as another person would. Um, somebody that has never questioned anything in their life, um, doesn't care, you know, has their white picket fence and whatever their little 
idea of the Garden of Eden is, and they just never ask anything, they will still be affected by this. Mm-hmm. Like it's the one that's well, why it's they still... they talk about in Indra's net too how if just like one of those jewels like ignites. Uh, how many would show that reflection? Like, all of them. Like, infinitely. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, literally, if one of them became a light bulb, you would literally see the reflection of enlightenment in every single one of the reflective jewels. Yep. Um, obviously, some more than others. Like, But, yeah, like, that's kind of the idea how it works, is that if one person really glows, then everyone around you will start to glow. It's a one in 100 monkey experiment, which is, once again, 1%, where they had these monkeys separated on... Um, the off the south coast of japan all those that little string of islands that comes off there and they're all the same kind of monkeys but they have absolutely no interaction with each other Mm -hmm. so they started dropping sweet potatoes on the beach for all the monkeys Mm. and they noticed after a while some of the children started because you know they're all sandy the adults were like trying to wipe it off and you know like trying to figure out what am I going to do? I want the sweet potato, but I don't know how to eat it. It's all covered in sand. And the kids would walk over to the ocean and just rinse it off and start eating it. Hmm. The adults would mimic it. And it ha- this happened on one island. Hmm. And the instant that at least 1% of them started doing this. It changed all of them. All of them. That's crazy. All of them. And it just takes a fresh perspective. Yeah. And we've done this with human studies too. There's one where... They had this picture of a bunch of faces, right? And there was a ton of faces in this. And they surveyed people in Britain. And this was closed. This was like done under empirical scientific methodology. And, you know, they, they might get like seven, eight, maybe ten. And there's some, you know, there's dozens of faces in this yeah. in this picture and then they show them where they all are and then they go to australia and they do the same experiment there and people consistently at least doubled the amount of faces recognized mm. after that mm. so even that affects that yeah. noetic consciousness that yeah, morphogenetic yeah. field hmm. huh there was a there was a couple things that ernie said that i remember um just kind of, I don't know if this is like, like tooting my horn or something, but, but cause I couldn't tell who he's talking to sometimes when he would say these things. Like if, if, cause sometimes like one thing time he said it after I had asked him a question, but I couldn't tell if he like, like got us confused or what, but, um, or what, or he's talking to both of us, but he would be like, um, uh, he would say things like, well, and I'll meet people who have that fire, which you have. And another one he said was, oh, like when he's talking about the girl who's, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like, because it's not enlightened, or, but or, I guess like esoteric minded or whatever. But he, he was like, he was like, you know, she's like us. She knows, you know, and I'm sure. But it, it's just it's just interesting that he like, well, first of all, immediately put you in that camp with him, which I think is dope. Like he's like he's like with us. Like, like there was no hesitation about that, which I think was rad. But also, I feel like sometimes he would rope me in there, too. And I don't know if he's just being nice, because I certainly didn't em- like implore the type of knowledge that you did. With 100% certainty and clarity, no doubt in my mind, he was, he said that specifically to you. 
There, there was once where he said like the fire that you have. It was like right after yeah, I asked. Yeah, I remember. Question. I remember exactly. But, but I was like, but when he said that, I was like, did does he think that you asked that question? Like that's what I was like. No, I mean our voices are distinct enough. Yeah. I I think you're at a place where you're you're kind of at a, a crossroads or a tipping point, and you should know. And I I told you this. I told you this last time. Mm-hmm. You are a returning mystic master. You wouldn't show up getting into all these things if you weren't and just the kind of questions you ask everything that you explore in this regard and how you take it in is inherent to someone that really pretty much already has knowledge you don't ask just the surface questions you ask like tough questions you you get down and dirty with it you you find places where, well, how do I, you know, could I poke a hole in this? And then you're constantly just regenerating and recycling your information to kind of fit this new worldview that you're coming into. I, I think that that one specifically uh, about the fire was definitely directed at you. But the, and that's why I asked because he says that he has these vivid memories with Jill and she remembers some of them, but not all of them. And that's why I asked the question about her like mental block because I don't have memories of my past lives. Like if I have, if I have past lives, it's like, I don't, I don't remember them. Or if I do remember them, then I'm not interpreting them in that way. So it just makes me like, like, that's what, like, cause you guys like, um, definitively were like, yeah, we had like clear as day have these memories. And it's like. I don't know. I don't know. Like, like if I've really uh, like returned to the Kabbalion, it's like I wish I, w- I had like I wish it would have sparked some sort of memory there. It might it, it might be a process for you, man, because um, you know how even in your life, if you have something really really traumatic happen to you, your brain will try to protect you from it. Yeah. You can get repressed memories. Yeah. You know, you can have all of these things. Now imagine that you've had a bunch of different meat suits throughout time and imagine not only that you have a spirit and imagine your spirits trying to do the same thing for you it's it's kind of it can be like unlocking a door a lot of the things that i've remembered have been extremely painful yeah i've bawled my eyes out about and or 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 this or that people that have been of this sort of mindset and esoteric have been demonized since the time of atlantis because they taught us a bunch of stuff you know, you call them the Nephilim, the Watchers, the Anunnaki. And maybe they did come from another place as well. Who knows? It doesn't matter. The point is, is that on the human psyche, it left a scar. Why? What they were teaching us wasn't bad. Right. All right? How to use, um, how to do metallurgy, for instance. Well, you can make beautiful things with metallurgy. Or you can make a sword to stab somebody in the fucking face with. Right, right. Um, and so... After we stabbed enough people in the face with it, we're, well, these fucking assholes, why do they tell us how to make swords? And we demonize them. Yeah. We demonize them because they gave us knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the antithesis to Prometheus. Prometheus is just another example of the serpent, uh, another example of Enki, another example of Lucifer. Uh, the one actually that's got our backs. Like you guys should have a choice. Here's you know here's here's the information. You shouldn't be slaves. You shouldn't be subject to one person's will, especially some judgmental asshole. And uh, you know, and this is just all an allegory. I'm not saying it's absolute fact, but if you have had 
really deeply traumatic things happen in your past lives, you have to really actively want to and work on unlocking them because there can be floods of emotion that you just can't explain that come from this place mm. of just pure knowing, just knowing. And it's not even like it happened in a past life because I, I think that term is dangerous. It's more of like a tangential life um, because time doesn't work. But it's quite. like, it's like dominoes or sections of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, there's like cutting off points. Mm -hmm. Who knows, dude, you could have been uh, a druid way back when, and you might've helped in the construction of Stonehenge. Let's just say that hypothetically. And um, you had several lifetimes there and all of a sudden the Romans show up and because you're different, you get killed in some brutal, awful way. And then you come back. Like protecting myself from that knowledge and that reality. Yeah, yeah, you come back and you're a kid and you immediately attract to the Druidism and you get killed in an awful way. And then like Christianity rolls in and then you're really killed off yeah. for a long time just for being a little bit different or for being able to have what they would probably call peculiar or satanic abilities. And you're, you're just... Every, everybody has this filter. Like throughout history, magical concepts have really caused a lot of murder. Mm. And you, both you and, and Ernie said this that on the Christian point that it, it probably is from taking the Bible too seriously. Where it's like when people are actually doing these mystical things in real life, they assume the devil's in them or some shit. Yeah. Ex unless you're Jesus, apparently. Yeah, I mean, as, as <laughs> long as if you're Jesus, you've got a you've got a free pass. But anybody else that and and the really weird thing which i'm sure i've said before well actually that's not true because even jesus they killed him because of it so never mind right well they, yeah they killed him because they it, he he pissed off the pharisees and the sadducees because he was right basically um but i mean even he said that there will be those that come after i who do even greater works than right, I. right you know if you have the faith of a mustard seed you can move a mountain now think about the profundity of that we think of that like okay what well what does that mean a mustard seed, this tiny, tiny little seed becomes an enormous tree eventually. This little tiny seed. And I mean, if the tiny seed can do that, with our recognition of reality and our ability to actively engage with it mm -hmm. and question it, what would be possible for us to do? That's what I mean to say. It's, it, it's, it's profound in that way. So I think that a lot of people do have past life recognition I don't think that you would be even sitting here talking to me about it or talking to Ernie if you didn't have some sort of like oh well you know a, a draw yeah. to it like yeah I just want but I just want to taste because there's been a bunch of times where I've got fucked over mm. and I I was always of the mindset I would rather know than not know and some of the things that I have pulled out i mean you know everybody says that there's some oh i was this great king or i was this or that i have memories of being a little child that got pushed off a boat and drowned hmm. well that's one of them I was, uh and I, I wonder if that doesn't have something to do and tie into with my drowning experience later in life um or maybe it's my mind just projecting 
right. retrocausally. Like, there's no that, way to tell, like, for sure. It really, it amounts to, does it make you a better person? It makes yeah. me a better person to look at reality as everything is consciousness, everything is sentient. I should respect it. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of myself. I only want the best for it. But then you have... Well, it's like the butterfly effect. Like, if you treat everything in that way, um, that is synchronicity. I mean, you, no matter which school of thought you buy into, it's like it's like this chain of events will occur based on your actions, and that will affect you in some way. No, no doubt about it. And whether you're interpreting that as some... Like, that, like that's literally what it is. Like, like... I mean, you can't even deny that. Like, that, that is, um, I mean, it's like, uh, Duncan Trussell talks about it as like, um, you know, with every decision you make, you gotta, you gotta act like you're pulling that, that dimension in where it's like, where it's like, it's just cross dimensional and you're, and you're choosing your timeline. So it's like, whether I touch this or whether I don't touch this. Um, but it's like, whether you look at it as quite literally the dimensions fusing, which what we know about quantum mechanics is possible perhaps, but we don't know that yet, but it's like, or you just look at it as it's like sort of like what is you doing this small deed what is that person going to do next what is that person going to do next how is this going to affect you in some way i mean this is a this is a actual depiction of this the mandelbrot set right so this is this is just from one mathematical formula Mm. all right and that's what fractal reality is so we can speed up and it's infinitely and infinitely complex and eventually goes back into the whole right so it's all one uh constant transition and and involution and evolution of a single singular concept and to me if you don't want to use the word like god then use uh the fractal, the fractal equation of reality, the fractal means of reality, and it goes back into how, you know, you got subatomic particles, make up atoms, make up molecules, make up cells, make up blah, 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 all the way up into a universe, and that universe might just be one cell of some other organism. If you leave the market to move to Arizona to become a spiritual leader at Ernie's new school, <laughs> that'd be fucking wild. Like I, I would, what, uh, what a wild chain of events. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I would do it. You gotta, you gotta call him and like, and like ask about his plans for that and how serious. Because the bottom line is, it's like the dude's like eighty-seven, and it's like, how much is this? Like, you're building a school, man, at eighty-seven years old. Like, like, what is? Are, are there other people involved? Like, wh- like, what does he actually mean by that? But like, you gotta get to the bottom of it because that that dude that could be a wild opportunity, <laughs> and I would love to fucking. That'd be so cool to see play out. I would, I would, I would too. Just, just for for the experience, you know. And yeah, he's what he's almost eighty seven, you know, whatever. But I, even time, he's so lucid. No, oh, he, uh, yeah, he's incredibly smart. Like I said, dude, when I called him yesterday, he remembered me exactly. I like hardly had to explain who I was. He was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Sam, hi." And I'm like, the dude has like a killer memory. That's one of the things that's crazy about all this stuff. Is it seems that people that actively try to apply it to them to their lives seem to have an ability to retain mm-hmm. information better ability to adapt and grow more easily and l- l- more longevity but yeah man again when he told that jesus story he was like choking up 
that was a very sublime thing for me because I learned most of the stuff on my own or, you know, with my guides or higher self or whatever, um, which really, I mean, it's all just fractal aspects of yourself. You just can branch out further and further from what you identify to be, you know, your meat suit. Your ego is just this one tiny little thing, but who you really are is not just the dewdrop. You're, you're at the very least, any person can become an enormous chunk of the spider web mm. with all of the dewdrops just reflecting off each other. And I know this man is serious about it. Oh, yeah. I know he is. Well, that's the thing was when he's talking about the school, like, I, I have no doubt in his mind he plans on making a school. I'm just wondering, like, like what's the timeline here? Like, has, like, what does he put forth into play? And are other people involved? Like, is this just one thing, like, in his ponderings uh, at his place? Is he just like, hmm, I should start another one? Or has he, like, actually put this into effect sort of a thing? I think that he is actively working on it. I think he's been waiting yeah, and either way, man, if you call him and get to the bottom of it, like, that could be a big push. I mean, I'm sure he's... Uh, fuck, dude, may, what do I know? Maybe he's already has a place picked out and is renting. I don't fucking know. Yeah, but like... It's such, it's such a rarity to find someone like him in general. All right, should we sign off? Any final words? Oh, uh, just love and light to all humanity. Question everything, but don't look a gift horse in the mouth. As in... Whenever you find something that helps you, whether it be a person, whether it be an ideology, whether it be a practice, meditation, yoga, mindfulness, anything, that's the gift force in this analogy. Just, just roll with it. I mean, at a certain point, we have to understand that we, as much as we want to, probably are not going to get every single answer to everything that we want but it's it's the journey that's important my definition of perfection is the state of actively becoming more becoming better becoming mm -hmm. idealized into that aspect of yourself that is always resonant within you i don't care what human being you are so just go out there and grow and learn Dude, like you said, man, rough numbers, but 80 million and 8 billion. Like, we can do that. Yeah. Like, we can do that. <laughs> All right. Easy. Easy.